Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you right now, Lord God, for allowing me to stand in John's shoes and declare your name holy. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord God. Your, your word doesn't come back to you void. It accomplishes what you set it out to do. Father, I ask you to bless the hearers of your word tonight, Lord God. They may have some worries tonight. They may have some concerns. They may have some pain in their body. They may have some financial stresses. But I know, Lord God, you're a provider. I know, Lord God, you are a healer. I know, Lord God, you fix things. You bind up broken hearts, Lord God. So I ask you to set their minds on you tonight. Let you know, Lord God, that they've come to hear a word from you. Father, fill me with your spirit that I may rightly divide your word of truth. I pray, Lord God, that each person in this room tonight doesn't go home the same way that they come in. That they be filled with the spirit on fire for Jesus Christ. Spread the word of the Lord. I thank you, Father. And I praise you in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Praise God, praise God. You know, when I was growing up, there were a lot of things that we got caught up into, Phil. I can remember, how many here remember the twist? Remember the twist? Who remembers the twist? All, all the olders remember the twist. And this cat named Chubby Checker used to do the twist. And he did the twist so much, he wasn't chubby no more. I mean, people were just twisting every kind of witch away. And all those things. I can remember when we were growing up, we used to watch this TV program called Dallas. Remember Dallas? Remember, and remember that year we had to find out who shot Jr. Oh, when it, when Dallas was on, everybody was at home watching Dallas. I mean, good grief! And then you know, I, I come up to, to to modern days and I see kids running around, and they actually purchase these pants, Phil. Their 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 jeans, but they're all tore up. They got slices in them, and and I see a lot. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, wow! I remember when I had torn up jeans, I threw them out. I could have saved them bad boys and made some money. But you know, we get caught up in all these. Caught up in all these fads. It looks nice, I guess. You know, I mean, it looks okay. But I'm just saying, we get caught up in a lot of things. You ever that TV program called Game of Thrones? A lot of folks got caught. They were caught actually binge-watching Game of Thrones. They were binge-watching these other films. You can see on Netflix and, 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 and Prime and all these other stations. They could watch 15, 20 shows in a row. And you wouldn't see them no more for a week. All they would do was eat Cheetos and drink coffee. You know, it was a mess, right? It was, it was terrible. But, you know, there's, there's other things that kids get caught today. That those, those PlayStations and those Xboxes. Kids are, who, who has a 30-year-old in their basement right now playing? But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Thirty two young, 35-year-old. They're just in the basement with these, get caught up in that sort of thing. I'm thinking, my goodness. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying we just get... Well, as a nation, we kind of get caught up in things, and and we have a lot of fun with those things. But there's some serious things that we get caught up in. And my epic brothers and sisters on Tuesday night know that there's some serious and deadly things that we at once at one time got caught up in. We got caught up in alcohol and drugs, got caught up in crime, got caught up in a whole lot of things that we shouldn't have been caught up in. But thank God, he set us free. Amen. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But we got caught up in all those things. And even even Christians, well-meaning Christians sometimes get caught up in stuff like this, this, this new age 
a, a thing about laughing in the Holy Spirit. Have you heard about that? Folks just falling out, out of control. It's like you're telling me that speaking in a foreign language and interpreting a foreign language isn't enough for you? You have to fall out and laugh and carry on in the middle of a service. People don't even know what's what, out of control. You mean the fruits of the Spirit isn't enough for you? In Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is this. The Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have self-control, then why are you rolling out on the floor laughing and carrying on? That's not the Holy Spirit. There's no sense in getting caught up in things about the about, about the word. It's made up. It's just it's made up stuff. I can hear Don Stewart now saying, "If it's not new, it's not true. And if it's not true, it's not new." I can hear him saying that right now. I say, "Well, how, Don, you say those things, but how are you so sure?" Well, he looked at Malachi three six and says, "For I am the Lord; I do not change." God's word is true. It's consistent. It's reliable. I love the word because God had prophesied a lot of things in Scripture. In the Old Testament, there were at least there were over 250 prophecies of the coming of the of Jesus Christ the first time, and all of those prophecies were fulfilled. Right? If you open up the Bible right now, you'll find over 1,800 prophecies of Christ coming again, and I know those are going to be fulfilled too. But no, we got the, Christians got to whip out the horoscope every day before we make a dash out the door. Oh, don't don't say amen. But 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 we. Do you remember this woman back in the sixties? Her name was Jean Dixon. Who remembers Jean Dixon? She was a, she was on fire. In nineteen fifty nine, Jean Dixon predicted that the Democratic nominee would be president in 1960, and that same president would be assassinated before his first term was completed. Guess what? John F. Kennedy was elected in 1960, and it was, he, was, he was assassinated in Dallas in 1963. They said, oh, she's on fire. She knows what's going to happen next. So she began to predict other things, but they don't report those misses that she made. She made a lot of big misses. She said that 1959, that China was going to start World War III. Didn't happen. The day before Jackie Kennedy got married to Onassis, she said, Jackie Kennedy will never marry again. The next day, she was Mrs. Onassis. She missed it. She missed the mark. We have scriptures that prophesy things that I know are true because of its track record. You look there, don't look out there. It's not out there. It's right here. There's a lot of things that we know are going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 through 17 says this about the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to do every good work. 
the, the psalmist says this about the word. Psalm 138, 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Do you know he has a name that is above every name? Who knows that? He, he, his name is, a, but yet he magnifies his word even above his name. Why don't we get caught up in the word if we're going to get caught up in something? I get caught up in stuff all the time. I got caught up in ice cream. Say hallelujah, somebody. I got, oh, Lord Jesus, I used to get two scoops of ice cream, and I would get chocolate, and I would squirt on top, and I would eat that. And the kids would come over and say, Daddy, can I have a taste? No. You know, got caught up in stuff. I mean, we need to stop getting caught up and just junk and start concentrating on the things that really mean something. That means we need to get caught up. In the word, get caught up in Jesus. We don't need no more of that stuff. We don't need more false theology. We already know more word than we do. Why are we going to make stuff up? Say amen, somebody. You know you, you know, you know a lot of scripture. How much do you do? I'm guilt, guilty. It says love, the, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I must not love myself too much. Say amen. Now, there's a lot of things to get caught up in. But Christians... Born again, believing Christians are going to get caught up in something. All of us that believe. Let's watch. Let's watch. God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. That was that was it. That is not it. Oh, Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's okay. You know what it was? It was a preacher standing in the pulpit, very similar to the one I'm standing with right now. And he's telling folks that Jesus is coming again, that Jesus could come next week, that Jesus could come next month. That he could come this very moment before I even finish speaking right now. Jesus could come. We could get caught up right now in the name of Jesus. I know that everyone in this room right now doesn't come out on Wednesdays and not believe that. I, I, there are some churchgoers that come out on Sunday. They don't believe, don't really believe that. But there are folks that come on on Wednesday night. You know that when, when the shout is made, you're going up with the master. You're going up with the master. You're going up with the master. We're all going to go up together in one fell swoop or one ticket. And it'll be out of here in no time at all. Getting caught up, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Can you, can you say hello? Can you say Jesus for me? Amen. Get caught up. Now, you know, I, I'm a pre-trib, I'm a pre-trib guy. I think that we're going to get caught up before the tribulation. I believe that. And, 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 and I know there are folks out there that think it's, it, there's some post-trib and there's some mid-trib you know, uh, uh, thing. But no, no, you're wrong. No, it's, 
It's, it's going to be before the tribulation. We're going to be out of here before the tribulation starts. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he made sure that there was no longer any, any condemnation for those who believe in it. Is that right? He's not going to do that. Let me tell you something. In uh, Revelation 3.21 it says, Because you have kept my command to preserve, I will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The Bible says that. The Bible says that. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We're not going to... We're not going to be around when the tribulation starts. We're going to be out here. And the reason why the Lord laid this on my heart is because I realized Brother Richard's wife had gone on to be with the Lord. And I, can, and I know that my father, my mother has gone to be with the Lord. I have three sisters and one brother that have gone on before me to see. And I know, though I'm sorrowed in my spirit, that I have a hope beyond hope that I will see them again. I know I'll see them again. I know because the Bible said it never, his promises are true and amen. Did he promise that to us? Yes, to every believer. Every believer. Now, what I really wanted to show you was how quickly this happens. But let me remind you that this event only pertains to those who are born again. And I know that hurts some folk that got that don't know if their relationship with the master was real. Don't know if they were ever born again. And it's concerned you. And I realize that. But you know what? You have still have relatives that you could call tonight that don't know Jesus. So you still have an opportunity to speak to them. Don't worry about the ones that have passed. There are some that are still living and breathing right now that need to know they have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Am I right about it? So we still have time to do that. This is for born-again believers. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, 13th to the 18th verse, reads like this. And this is the, one of the first scriptures I want to read. We're going to take these in big chunks. There's two main scriptures, scriptures I'm going to cover, but we're going to cover this, this portion first. And, and, and the reason why I use both of them, because both, they both tell a story, but a little bit differently. And I want to be able to mesh them together to make sure we don't miss any of what God is trying to tell us about that great getting up morning. Amen? First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, 13th. Through the 18th verse, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe, (laughs) if, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them, together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Take these words and comfort yourselves, one another, with these words. These words were written to educate us. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. That means he wants you to be educated. He wants you to know that you have a hope beyond hope. That there are folks out there that have no hope. There are folks out there that believe when they die, they're reincarnated into something else. Something, some lower form of being, like a cow or an insect, depending upon how they ran their lives. There are some folks that are, in, especially in the United States, that feel when you die, you become one with the universe. What does that mean? That's ridiculous. But they make things up to try to soothe themselves into knowing there's something beyond what there is right now. But only God has the, 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 the way for us to assume life after this one. He knows what's going to happen to us. But he said you must be born again. Now, that doesn't mean when you have a loved one pass that you're not supposed to have sorrow. Of course we're going to sorrow. We're going to miss them. I miss my mother and father even today. My mother died when I was 18 years old. But I know she's with the Lord. And I still think about her from time to time. I said, if, if my mom were here right now, what would she say to my little grandson that's got smart right now? Oh, she had laid him out. I know she had laid him out. She was tough, boy. She, didn't, she, could, have, she could take a shoe off. And, 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 and I'm, she could catch you in full trot and hit and go around a corner. She'd hook that thing because you try to dash down the hallway, that thing come around and whop. And late boy, she was good. She was good. She was good. So I think about it. Think about my dad, six foot three, over 200 pounds, spoke from the pulpit with power the Lord had given him. This man was amazing. And what a husband he was. My father never argued with my mother. The men ought to be saying, wow. The men should be saying, he never argued with my mother. She would fuss sometimes and fuss and fuss and fuss. And when he got tired of hearing her fussing, he would get up from where he was, walk over to her and put his arms around her and hug her. And she would say, I can't be mad at you if you're going to hug me. He said, he said, I know, baby. I want to be like that man. I missed the mark. I missed the mark, Phil. When Gene gets to going at me, sometimes I just can't keep quiet. I got to say something. There's two things that sets me off. Two words, always and never. There's never absolutes in the things of life. And so as soon as she says never, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm thinking, oh, daddy, I wish... I miss my brother. I miss my sisters. I do. I miss them a lot. Sometimes the change in weather reminds me of where we've been or what we've done at certain times of the year. But I know that I'm going to see them again. So I don't wallow in sorrow like one who has no hope. Amen? Comfort each other with these words. Um, and we have to believe that since Jesus died and was risen from the dead. We have to know that not only us, but our loved ones will be risen also. And 
without the resurrected Christ, there is no resurrection. We have to know and believe that. And sometimes we think, well, why, Brother Roberts, do you have to convince me that Jesus was risen from the dead? I know I don't have to convince you of that. I know you believe that already. But there was a point at some point in time where you might have to tell someone else about Jesus and convince them about the resurrection. First Peter 3.15 says, Saint, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always, how often? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with mm, meekness and fear. Oh, we're ready to tell folk about Jesus, but those last two words don't apply sometimes. We don't use meekness too often, Phil. I, sometimes we use arrogance and, 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 and hothead thought, and, we, and we're turning folks away instead of bringing them to Christ. And we need meekness and fear when we tell people about Jesus. One of the things that we have to know, to, that we know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because so many folks actually saw the risen Savior. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, 3 through 8, it says this. For I, Paul is writing, for I delivered to you first all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he had been seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, his half-brother, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. You know, Paul met Jesus on that road and uh, lost his appetite and lost his sight for three days. That's pretty convincing, P.D., that's pretty. If you on your high horse, the Lord Jesus can knock you off real quick. He can prove to you just who he is in a moment's notice. But he knows exactly how much persuasion each one of us need. And he knew he knew that Paul needed to have that three day respite. Wake up, Paul. I know you're zealous, but quit kicking against the goats and quit persecuting my folk. And Paul straightened up right quick. So he and he wrote most of the New Testament. So we know these. But, you know, they said, Dave, you're using circular argument because using the scriptures to prove scripture. I, I know that. But but what are you going to do with the empty tomb? When they rolled the stone away, Phil, there was no corpse inside. The, the Pharisees couldn't find anybody inside. They couldn't. And they were losing their mind. Oh, by the way, the stone wasn't rolled away, right, to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away so folks could get in and see that the tomb was empty. What are you going to do with the empty tomb? And the third thing that really proves that Jesus is real and the things he did were real and his resurrection was real was that almost all of his original apostles were martyred. They were killed in some horrendous way. You might die. One or two might die. But 12? Come on, son. And then one of them exiled to a, an island, chained to a Roman soldier for the rest of his life for a lot? I don't think so. I don't think that's true at all. You can't, it can't be right. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ has got to be real. Peter, Andrew, Paul, 
James, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, Thomas, Philip, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon were martyred. All of them. You know, it's hard to understand how people can keep up a lie. You can't keep up a lie like that. It has to be true. It has to be has to be real. You know, I was watching and listening to a preacher on TV. You know that group that worships on Saturday because they don't know why we worship on Sunday? <laughs> that group. Well, this brother was on and he was preaching about the resurrection. And he was talking about um, the fact that in actuality, uh, there's a portion of scripture that's in that's in error. And he says, uh, in fact, it's not an error, but in fact, we've read it wrong. He said, no. He says, what happens when you die is you go to sleep. Like the scriptures use the word sleep sometimes in transformation of dying. They use the word sleep. And he says, so what we're going to do is we're going to sleep. And then when Jesus returns, then he's going to raise the dead from that sleep. And to, to us, it's going to be like a second. One moment we're asleep, the next moment we're in the, in the presence of the Lord. He says, that's what's really going to happen. We're not going to be present with the Lord immediately. Not like, not like Corinthians 5.8 says. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. And his reasoning for accepting this is because he couldn't understand how God was going to reunite the spirit and soul and the dead body at, at the resurrection. So what he did was he twisted everything around to meet his understanding. Ooh, that's dangerous. That's, you, can't, you can't twist scripture to meet your understanding. It wasn't written to be twisted to meet your understanding and to meet your knowledge. If you don't understand or if you, don't, if you, don't, if you can't see the end from the beginning on, the, on, that, on certain things, you don't take the scriptures and just change them to fit your mold. What you need to do is pray and ask God to give you understanding and give you some insight about that scripture and go on with what the word says. The word says when we die, we'll be with the Lord. What about the, what about the, 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 the thief that was on the cross? Next to Jesus. What did Jesus tell him? What day was he going to be with Jesus? This day. You'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, well, you know, you got to wait until I come back in a couple thousand years and then we'll get. No. He said, this day you'll believe. I'm going to tell you right now. Changing scripture like that is, 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 is terrible and it's dangerous and it, has, it leads people. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, that's not going to really change their save, salvation, Phil. Only thing that's going to happen is they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Am I right about it? They're going to be pleasantly surprised. What? What? Scripture was just like it said it was. And to my Catholic friends, sisters and brothers, there's no way station between death and life with the Lord. You don't have to wait anywhere. You don't have to get prepared for anything. It's going to be instantaneous. There's no purgatory. You'll also be pleasantly surprised. That'll be, oh, I can't wait. But see, you know what? Us who know and read the scriptures, understand the scriptures, aren't going to have time to sit around and say, nanner, 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 we were right. <laughs> we'll be in too much awe of the Lord to worry about P. 
petty things like that, we'll be glad for them. We'll be happy that they made it in, praise God. And we'll be saying, see, I know the Lord is good. I've tasted him. I know that he's good. I declare to you, our senior pastor is never going to bend scripture. He's never going to take scripture and it's going to compromise the word of God. I'm going to tell you, the, the pastoral staff of this portion of God's vineyard is never going to compromise scripture, change scripture to fit any mold. I'm going to tell you, not an elder, not a teacher in this church, not this portion of God's vineyard is ever going to change scripture to fit a mold. I'm going to tell you, they're going to give you the rightly divided word of truth, both barrels. And if it's said, it's, if, the, if the scripture says it, then it's done. There's a lot of things that we don't understand in scripture. I'm telling Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I don't know how God knows me before he formed me in my mother's womb, but he does. I accept that. He, he made me. He knows me. He, made, he spoke the universe into existence. Now, the second portion of scripture I want to I talk to you about is a letter written to the Corinthian church concerning the rapture. And it's addressed to the Corinthians, but it's actually addressed to Calvary Chapel Tustin. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54 reads this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Praise God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has been put on immortality, then shall we shall be brought to pass, as saying it is written, death is swallowed up. In victory. Praise God. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, a mystery is not a, a Bible whodunit. Amen. A mystery is a revelation that's never been revealed before until now because sometimes our little peanut heads can't understand what God has for us, so he has to give it to us little bit by little bit by little bit. And still we don't get it sometimes. When I was talking about a twinkling of an eye, that's, that's pretty quick. In actuality, scientists have actually measured how long a twinkling of an eye is. And I was reading, because you know it's on the internet, you know it's true. Abraham Lincoln says so. Anyway, the twink is the amount of time that it takes light to enter the eye, reflect off the retina, excuse me, and be seen. Now listen, light travels 186,000 miles per second. That means a beam of light could travel around the equator of the earth seven and a half times in one second. That's quick. That's quick. That means a twinkling is around one-sixth of a billionth of a second. One-sixth of a billionth of a second. Have you heard preachers on TV say when the trumpet sounds, they're going to grab two or three sinners before they go up? Not enough time. You won't be able to grab, you won't, you won't be able to grab anybody. It's going to be... Too quick. That's how fast death is going to be swallowed up, Phil. One sixth billionth of a second. There won't be any time to grab anyone. There won't be any time to tell anyone about Jesus. There will not be any time to get ready. You've got to be ready. 
Oh, death will no longer hold anyone hostage. We don't have to be concerned about age anymore. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, boy, you know, the older I get, the younger my mind is. But I, the body doesn't, uh, doesn't, just doesn't follow through. I'm always aching and paining somewhere, and I'm wondering why it feels so bad. And my wife says, well, you're old, man. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Sweetheart, she said, I'm just trying, just trying to help you. You can't do that anymore. Get off that bike. Ah, my good age. We don't have to worry about disease anymore. We don't have to worry about aches and pains anymore. We don't have to worry about making sure we get to bed on time so we can get up before noon. None of that. And the, and the thing I love about this, too, is you got to remember, when we are resurrected, if we're not alive when Jesus comes in, we're resurrected, we're not going to have reconstituted DNA that we have now. The DNA we have now is corrupted. That's why the, that's why the Word says you've got to have incorruptible stuff. So people are concerned. Well, you know, sister so-and-so was... Uh, was uh, was uh, set on fire and all of her body parts were thrown across the ocean with the seagulls the sea and everything and that's how we that's how we uh, that doesn't matter God doesn't need that old DNA it's done that old DNA was designed to get old and die this new stuff that we're going to be made of means it's going to last for everlasting to everlasting it's going to be brand new I don't know I don't know if hair is going to be important I don't know if a six-pack is going to be important. I don't know anything about that. All I know is it's going to be better than we have right now. It's going to be longer-lasting. And you know what? The Bible says we don't know what we're going to be like, but we're going to be like him. And you know, when Jesus came back from the dead, he walked into the room with the door was shut. So we'll be able to pass through stuff, right? And then, and then, they said, then he said, hey, you got any fish? I love Jesus. I love fish. I said, yeah, that's a good meal, right? They said, so he started eating. And they're looking at his wounds. They're looking at his, and they said, looking at his wounds, and, but their wounds aren't bleeding. Wow. So he was able to go through things. He was able to have wounds without any bleeding. He had probably had a smile on his face, more than likely. And he could levitate. Isn't that cool? Because he... Went into the clouds. I mean, he was levitating. He was, he was taking off right quick. He was telling folks, feed my sheep as he's getting out of here. And the angel said, what are you looking up in the sky for? The same Lord you see going up will come back the same way. Get busy. Start telling folks about Jesus. That's Dave Roberts' version. You can look it up. It's in there. Amen. Oh, yes. It's going to be something. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it's not been revealed what we shall be. But we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 58. Let me read those again. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we get in the presence of the Lord, we're able to say, oh, death, where is your sting? The sting is sin, but there's no sin there, Phil. There's no sin up there. Say, oh, grave, where is your victory? There's no victory in death in the grave because we'll be free from the grave. And you know what? That victory, though we are 
the recipients of that victory. We know that that victory wasn't a battle we fought. That victory was fought on the cross of Jesus Christ when he sacrificed himself for you and sac- sacrificed himself for me. He has the victory, but we are the recipients of the game. Praise God. What a loving and giving God he is. Now remember... That this prophecy isn't for everyone. And I'm going to read you a short list of folks that might not make it if they don't change. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, it tells us, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived by the world's moral values. Don't be deceived by the changes in the mores of the society that you're living in. Don't be deceived by that. Because neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of us. When I was a drunkard and I read these words, sister, I said, that can't be me. I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus. But he said, you can't inherit the kingdom of God, David, if you're going to live at the bottom of a bottle. You got to give it up. You got to take me and take. Don't be drunk with the spirit, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know I had to make a change, but I knew I couldn't do it myself. I tried to do it myself. I could not do it. I sought the Lord. He touched me one time. I was changed in a moment. I was changed in a twinkling of an eye. And I knew right then and there I was saved. I was delivered. I was set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that fast. Just that fast. Just that fast. And I love the last part of it. But, but, you are washed. Thank God. But you are sanctified. Praise the Lord. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I realize we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But those who know Jesus and those who don't try to sin on purpose can always go to 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful. And He's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, He's a good God. Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God. Now, God spiritually rejects the first birth. He said, you must be born again. He said the spiritual birth and the things that we rely on in life, if we think that that's going to help us, all that's going to do is kill us. You must be born again. He rejects the first birth. God rejected Cain. He accepted Abel. God rejected Abraham's firstborn, Ishmael, remember? He went as the heir of the promise, and he chose Isaac, the secondborn. God rejected Esau, that hunter, that wild dude. And he accepted Jacob, mama's boy, didn't he? Yes, he did. He chose the second one. God rejected the first Adam, accepted the last Adam. If we depend on the first birth and we depend on what we can accomplish on our own, in our own flesh, we will be lost. 
It's a guarantee. But if we're born again, though once we were lost, we are now found. Though once we were blind, we will now see. We now have heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We'll never be blind for again. Again, we'll always be with him in heavenly places. Even right now, we're positioned in heavenly places. Even though we're sitting right here, God sees us as blood-washed, blood-drenched Christians. And he knows that we belong to him. Amen. Now, if you were wondering, now I know some of you probably were, what should we be doing in the meantime, Dave, to sit in a rocking chair and wait for Jesus to come on back? Boy, that would be, be cool, but that's not good enough. He doesn't want us to do that. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 58th verse, lets us know exactly what we ought to do. Therefore, since you know what your outcome is going to be, since you know you have eternal life, since you know you're going to be caught up and changed in a twinkling of an eye, since you know you're going to be living forever with him. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A steadfast person is one who endures Patiently, There's a lot of things that Christians are enduring today, but we should be enduring them with patience. We have no idea what persecution really is for the Christian until we go to Africa or the Middle East or in Asia and find out what it really means to be persecuted. Oh, yes, we get talked too harshly from time to time from politicians and some and some news folks sometimes and some atheists once in a while. But that's nothing compared to being killed, being burned, being beheaded for the name of Jesus. That's persecution real time, real time. So we have to be steadfast, endure what we're endure with, with patience. I know the House of Representatives of the United States is trying to send us down a different path. I realize that. I realize the schools are trying to introduce things to our children that are horrendous. I realize that. But you know what? That's a distraction. That's all that is. We should stand up for those things. We should be steadfast in those things and still get out and vote. Do what we have to do to to persuade people's minds that these things are wrong indeed. But not taking our eyes off the prize. Be steadfast. We must be immovable. Christian values are not on a sliding scale like the world wants us to have. It's not on a sliding scale. It's set. It is set, right? We must not be moved by every wind of doctrine. We must be immovable in our stance for the protection of the unborn child. We must be immovable in our stance of the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. And there are things that we Christians do sometimes we ought not do. Christine, if we call in sick and we're going to the ballpark, we're not sick. That's a lie. If we take pens and paper from work without authorization, that's theft. It's not a perk. Seriously, if we're engaged in pornography, that's idolatry. That's adultery if you're married. That's not entertainment. We don't live on a sliding scale. God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. 
Finally, we must, must work for the kingdom. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have opportunity, therefore I have opportunity, let us do good to, unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Keep serving. Keep serving. Even if you feel you can't. Keep coming out on Wednesday nights. Even if you can't. Do you realize your face on Wednesday night is going to bless someone? They see you walk through that door. Someone who's never spoken to you before still has something about you that they love because they see Jesus Christ in you. You're an uplift to some folk. Don't stop coming out on Wednesday nights. Your labor won't be in vain. Jesus promised, he said, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for that promise of eternal life with you. We thank you, Lord God, that those that are hearing under the sound of my voice, Father, if they know you, I, I thank you, Father, for it. If they don't know you, truly have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. If they haven't really committed themselves to you, Lord, I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that the Father, God, raised you from the dead and they will should be saved. I know, Father, if they cry out right now, that you will hear them. You will answer them. You will save them. And nothing or no one no angel in heaven, no demon in hell, nothing, not even death will be able to separate them from the love that you have for us. We thank you, Father. We praise you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Before we get out of here, before we get out of here, I want everyone to bow their head. I want everyone to close their eyes. And this is important. I don't want anyone to leave here without knowing Jesus Christ, without being born again. When we say we must confess with our mouth, what we're saying is we are agreeing with God and what he says about Jesus. God says that Jesus is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Rose of Sharon. He's a lily of the valley. He's a sacrificial lamb. He's the good shepherd. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. If we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that the father raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. I want everyone to pray with me this prayer. God in heaven, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess he's a sacrificial lamb. I confess he died for me. I confess his blood was shed for my sins. And I believe the Father raised him from the dead. And I shall always be with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.